Okay, welcome to Brian Talks to Humans, a people's podcast about everyday people. This is our kickoff episode for Season 2. I guess I'm calling it Season 2 because I took a long break uh, between like the middle of the summer and here we are in late September. I don't want to talk for too long. In the intro, I can give you some updates about some other things. In our next episode, the interview runs a little long and I just want to be as brief as possible here. I scored a major celebrity for this episode. It's a very special episode. It's an interview with my mother. Um, The first little bit of the interview, I do try to keep it light so she gets comfortable, and then I I, uh, talk about uh, maybe some more complicated uh, subjects, some deeper topics. I really appreciate her doing this. Uh, She's a private person. This gets her outside of her comfort zone. I hope you think she's as interesting as I think she is, even though she doesn't think she is. Uh, Without further ado, uh, here's episode 13 with Joe, my mother. The one and only rebel child From a family meek and mild My mama seemed to know what lay in store Despite all my Sunday learning Toward the bad I kept on turning Till mama couldn't hold me anymore And I turned 21 imprisoned in life without parole could steer me right, but Mama tried, Mama tried, Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied, that leaves only me to blame, cause Mama tried. Okay folks, welcome to Brian Talks to Humans, a people's podcast about everyday people. Uh, today we have a very, very special episode. Today's human is... Joe Ford. For those of you who may not have caught on yet, um... Joe is my mother, and uh, I consider this a very, very, very uh, special treat. I think, uh, despite what she thinks, she's a very interesting person, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, and uh, and she's doing me a, a favor to kick off season two with, uh, with a splash. First of all, I want to thank you for doing this, because you're a pretty private person, and I know it's not like in your comfort zone to you know be out there and talk a lot about yourself and make it public and... And that sort of thing. So thanks. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. And, you know, I pretty much can't say no to you. (laughs) So you were visiting me when I was recovering from my second surgery. And um, you kind of figured out that I had a podcast and asked, like, hey, you know, do you have a podcast? Because originally I was trying to keep it from you. So how how did you figure it out? Well, I just saw the equipment sitting on your computer table. And knowing you, I just made the assumption it was podcast equipment. Although I don't know why you would want to keep it from me as long as it doesn't interfere with your work. I wouldn't have yeah. any trepidation about you having a podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's where I think uh, I I was keeping it from you because I thought you'd be terrified that I'd say something that would get me fired. Because anytime I fart, you think I'm going to get fired. So. <laughs> I just know how hard it is to find jobs these days, Mm -hmm. tenure or not. So, Mm -hmm. yes, I am concerned for both my son's well-being. It's just being a mother. And being an Italian mother makes it even more. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Uh, So let's talk about um, your background then. Let's talk about, you know, Joe before she met me. What was, uh, you grew up in the Bronx? I grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in the Pelham Bay section of the Bronx. My dad was a butcher. My mom did not work until we went to 
Catholic high school, and even back then, with it was fifteen dollars a month for tuition, it was a lot. So she went to work in Alexander's department store. Um, I went to public school seventy one, and then for a brief time to uh, a junior high school uh, in February of my eighth grade because they were switching over to the junior high school setup. And then I left there. I didn't graduate from the junior high school in ninth grade. I left in eighth grade and went to St. Helena High School. So what are some of your memories of being a kid in the Bronx when you were younger, even before middle school and high school? Oh, playing outside, being in the street, my, you know, uh, stoop ball, uh, potsy, hopscotch. Uh, What's potsy? uh, It's a game you play where you put chalk and you have numbers and you put a rock and then you pick whatever you're in and you have to hop around this little game board. Oh, so it's, it's kind of like hopscotch. Game. It's like hopscotch, oh. but it's a little, just a little bit different. Okay. Um, my father's whistle when he needed us to come home, um, he had a special whistle uh, and we knew it was time to come in the house. I grew up, my most memories are growing up in a house that my grandmother owned and grandfather. They lived on the very first floor, and my aunt and my mother's sister and her husband and the two girls, their girls, my cousins, uh, were on the second floor, and we were all the way up on the third floor of a private house. Um, it was fun. We had our own little group of fun kids in the backyard, family. We had hand-me-down clothes. We went from my cousin Nina to me to back to my cousin Joan. So, you know, it, but they were fun. It was good stuff. It was happy stuff, happy times. Yeah. My grandparents always had, we had a big dinner uh, for holidays. I can tell you one funny story. My fa- my mother had was one of seven brothers and sisters. And her, oldest, her second oldest brother was Peter. And my Uncle Pete was a sweetie pie, but he always wanted the biggest thing. And my grandmother, even though she was old and came over from Italy, had a great sense of humor. So there were these Italian zapolas that she would make at the holidays. And she took the time to take the dough and put some cotton in it and made it as the biggest one on the plate and put the plate on the table. And Uncle Pete, Always grabbed for the biggest one. He got a mouthful of cotton. (laughs) My Aunt Nettie, who was my Uncle Jim's wife, there was always something that was missing. There was always something on the table. There could be 25,000 things on the table, but she would be the one to spot that the salt and pepper shaker weren't there. And I'm talking of a table that started with my grandmother and grandfather and went down the line to their kids and then the grandkids. Mm-hmm. So this table was humongous, mm-hmm. you know. So those were the good things growing up. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, I lost my dad at an early age. I was just out of high school, maybe six months when he passed of a heart I attack. I thought you were younger for some reason. No, I was. Um, I graduated in June, and he passed maybe a year and a half in the next December. Mm-hmm. Yeah, December of '63. Um, we watched, well, I'm trying to think now. You help me with the time frame because I was working in the city, so everybody knows where they were when Kennedy was shot. Yes, that's late November. Okay. So I also remember 
when I was in the city, I was working for uh, Coates and Clark. We were watching, we were out actually at a restaurant and the waiter told us. And then we went back to the quote unquote break room and watched Walter Cronkite on TV. But I also exactly remember I was home with my dad when Jack Ruby was shot. Mm -hmm. And then he was gone that December. He died right after that, Mm -hmm. you know. And it was a heart? Heart, yes. He had a heart condition, but he was a heavy, heavy smoker. Mm-hmm. Yes. And back in the day, you didn't know as much as you know now about smoking. And he used to smoke Chesterfield. And, you know, he didn't know it was going to cause this problem. Because yeah. believe me, if he thought he was going to leave his family, he would have dropped that cigarette as fast as could be. My dad lived for us. So you were close. Oh, absolutely. I miss my dad till today. I think I miss my dad even more. Then I miss my mom, and not that I don't miss my mom or didn't love her. There's just something about the closeness that we had as a father and daughter that I miss him every single day. I think my life itself, in general, would have been a lot different if he were still here. Um, I think decisions I've made, good, bad, or indifferent, he would have been there to guide me Mm. um, better, and I just... You know, I feel that way mm. about him. He lived for us. He absolutely lived for us. We were his pride and joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad would take us on vacation. Uh, we used to go to the Poconos. And he would rather take my mom and us away for a week or two in the Poconos than a whole month down the shore. Because he knew that if he rented a house down the shore, mom's family, and not that he didn't love them, but mom's family would come down and she'd be up serving them anyway. So he felt this way she could sit down and be served at a resort mm. rather than, you know, renting a house down the Jer- Jersey Shore. Mm. And um, what's the story again about um, during the Depression with the meat? Oh, my grandfather had different jobs over the years. And one of them was he had a, a meat business, a pork store. And that's how that's how your dad became a butcher? No, no. That's oh. my mother's father oh, had the okay, pork store. Okay. No, my father's father died in the Spanish influenza. Okay. So uh, my father was very, very young at the time. But, but not, you know, he was young, but not as young. And um, he and his two brothers, people were dying, unfortunately, at such a fast rate. They were burying them without coffins. But he and his brothers went down to Harlem and got a coffin with a horse and drawn carriage, got a coffin and came up. And then my grandmother felt, my father's mother felt that she had three boys, my father being the middle boy. And she felt she should really Italian idea that she needed to get married again to help have a man to help raise those boys. Unfortunately, her second marriage wasn't the greatest. I mean, it was okay when they were married. And the best thing that came of it was my Aunt Rose, who was like beyond a second mother to me, She's like a guardian angel. Um, but my grandmother, my father's mother, died when my Aunt Rose was 12. So they are half brother and sister, my father and my Aunt Rose. And my grandfather was a little bit of a womanizer after that. And my father felt that he didn't want his kid sister to be brought up in that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So he asked my mom if she could come and live with them. 
And so basically my dad raised her and my mother raised her. She lived with them. And two things about Aunt Rose and living with them. I was under a year old and all of a sudden swallowed years ago. They used to put little barrettes in girls' hair. They were these little hard plastic barrettes. And apparently I had swallowed one and was almost choking. And Aunt Rose was like barely dressed, put a long trench coat on and ran down to the doctor. And he came to the house in those days. They did that. And, you know, she pretty much saved my life, you know. And then as it would happen, her dad, my step-grandfather, broke his leg at the time that she was going to get married. So my dad got to walk her down the aisle. So I kind of like felt it was not to be corny, but poetic justice. Mm. You know, he raised her and here he got the pleasure of walking her down the aisle. Um, but to get back to the question you asked me, my mother's father um, owned a pork store. And in the Depression, the government got involved with the distribution of meat. Mm -hmm. And the government gave them, they had to go down and get a, their own, whatever they were allotted for meat. And this particular batch of meat was not good. You should need it. And my grandfather took it and he buried it in the backyard. And he told the people who came to the store, uh, go home and give your kids potatoes and eggs. I'm not going to sell you meat for a while, you know. So um, uh, for some reason, I got my stories mixed up. I thought that was your dad. My dad? No, no. This the, the depression would have been my grandfather way okay. back. Yeah. yeah, my grandfather way back. So how did your dad get into the um, being a butcher? Well, my dad first. Well, that was always his profession. How mm -hmm. he really got chose it i don't know okay. um but he was working for a family-owned uh business the basalone brothers um in the bronx on westchester avenue and then he and another friend opened up their own little butcher shop uh on bure avenue in the bronx and he was there for a while and then left the business there and went back to work for somebody in westchester county mm -hmm. now um after your, your dad passed, it was uh, your mom and you and your younger brother. Mm -hmm. You said you were graduated high school by then? Yes. I graduated in 62. Uh, but, dad passed in 63. But you were still in, in the home, right? No. By that time, we were in an apartment. My grand... My... I'm, I'm just mean you, le you lived with your mom and your brother. Oh, You weren't yes. like out of the house on your own or anything. No, 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 no. We were, we were in the, come to think of it, we were in the house. Yes, because I remember being in the, in the house in, in Crosby Avenue. Yeah, we didn't move to Hobart mm -hmm. Avenue in an apartment till later. Mm -hmm. no. so, so what's it like then for, for the family after dad's gone and, he, and he's no longer there and missing? How do you, how did the family get along? Well, it's not easy. Um, my mom was working in Alexander's. I was working in Manhattan at the time. Um, I was working, always wanted to be a secretary, never really aspired to go to college. Um, it's funny because being a secretary has kept me going all this time. And it's, I can see my, my, uh, steno teacher at St. Helena is telling us about her sister-in-law. My steno teacher was a nun how the sister-in-law used steno for years and, you know, used it to support her family. Um, luckily, my father's kid brother, my Uncle Mike, was not rich, but he had 
enough money that he wanted to help. Mm -hmm. And Aunt Rose, you know, what he kept saying, what should I do? What should I do? He asked Aunt Rose. And Aunt Rose said, look, between Mary and Josephine, they'll be fine. But if you want to do anything, help with getting Arnie through college, Mm. you know. uh, So that's what he did. He helped get my brother through college between um, whatever student loan he was uh, eligible for. Um, he and my brother went to Iona College. Mm-hmm. Um, he graduated. Actually, he graduated the day that Robert Kennedy passed. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so they abbreviated the uh, ceremony. Yeah, well. I don't know if it was the same day or the next day, but because of Kennedy's right. assassination, Robert Kennedy, mm-hmm. they abbreviated the graduation yeah. ceremony. Wow. So, and he, but he graduated from Iona College in New Rochelle. Mm. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh during during college i had a a project where i had to interview somebody about like civil rights and stuff like that and we talked you and i about your experience with school integration Mm -hmm. um and unfortunately i don't know where the recording of that is so (laughs) so tell me a little bit about um i guess it was when you were around like what like fifth grade or so no actually it was not until um the eighth grade that okay. in our school that uh, they bust children into our school and that's when they went then we're going to start the junior high school the brand new junior high school 101 in the Bronx um, the only apprehension truly that I had was because they were stopping me for a few months from graduating like with this process of busing and integration and I'm sure these people that had to come to our school were not thrilled about it either because right, they yeah. had to get up earlier. They had to be sitting on a bus and be brought out of their neighborhood into our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I can understand it because it, our neighborhood was basically white, Italian, German, and Irish at the time that I was in school. But in my case, it was the idea of the junior high school concept that stopped me because they didn't do it in starting in June of my eighth grade. They did it in February of my eighth grade. So I never got to graduate after going from kindergarten all the way to eighth grade at PS 71. All of a sudden in February for four months, I was uprooted and went to 101. Went to 101. So that was my... To a junior high that was more integrated. To a junior high that was more integrated. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it was our kids plus the children who had been uh, young. I wouldn't call them children. They were 7th and 8th graders who were brought into our school. And Mm -hmm. then our school became uh, just up to the 5th grade. And then... uh, No, I'm sorry. 6th grade. 7, 8, and 9, you were at 101. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I left, and it was kind of what do you a little rough yeah, okay. at the time. Talk about that. Um, the, it was not your, what you were used to in your... And I'm not saying it was because of any... Because of the integration, the school itself, maybe because it was so large, so many kids, was a little rougher than we were used to. So I suggested to my mother that she send <coughs> my brother to the local... Catholic school. Mm-hmm. So for a couple of years, uh, my brother went to Our Lady of Assumption. He took and he graduated from there. Um, he went to Cardinal Hayes High School. He did take the test for Bronx High School of Science, but he didn't make the cut. Then he went to 
Cardinal Hayes, and then Iona. Do you remember people, you know, your family seems to have more or less taken it in stride. Do you remember there being any, you know, other tensions around this integration process? Oh, of process? course. Of course there were, because why are you, you know, bringing people into our neighborhood? And we didn't, I don't think, and, and it was, as I say, an all-white, Catholic, Irish, German, Italian neighborhood. And now you're bringing in, quote-unquote, strangers to our neighborhood. So, of course, there was some animosity. Um some trepidation, what would they be like, what, how would they fit in, you know, why were they doing this, uh, why didn't they just leave well enough alone, just mm-hmm. everything we thought was fine mm-hmm. the way it was. Um, I don't think there, there was no, no physical tension, there was Nobody no... Nobody threw out- rocks at buses Oh, absolutely like not. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. It was just an annoyance of why are you bringing people in here that are not from our neighborhood, quite mm. quote unquote? Mm. And but no, there was never a physical tension. There was an annoyance. There was never any name calling. Um, I'm not going to tell you that my parents were as open racially as I am today because we've evolved and I've grown and I've learned. I'm not going to tell you they were saints. Mm. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't use slurs. They never used slurs in our home. I was never brought up with any, any, you know, quote unquote bad words, whatever you want to call them, I, slurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never, we didn't hear the word, and I don't know if I can say it. No, 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 don't. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I won't. But we didn't hear any of those words. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was. That's not how. Were they? You know, why are they bringing them here? Yeah, were they? How come they're in our neighborhood? Yes. And they were only bus. They weren't even living, living there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. it was just like you you changed our routine. It was more yeah. of a situation And like this that. would have been the, the mid-50s, right? So well, I'm trying to think. I graduated from 8th grade. Born in 44. And I graduated from 8th grade in 58. So, yeah. And I graduated from high 50s. school in 62. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, it would have been... It was right. just in the eighth grade. So that's like, so it's right after things like Little Rock, Arkansas. Yes, yeah, probably. I don't, okay. yeah, probably. Mm. But no, we never had, never ever did we have that. Nobody blocked a doorway. Nobody said you can't come into this school. Nobody went to the school. And said, the biggest thing was why can't you let the eighth grade just graduate? <laughs> that was that was the biggest thing. And yeah. I'm my mom was one of the mothers that said, hey, fine, you want to do this. Junior high school, that's fine. Wait till but next let year. the present yeah. eighth grade just go to June here, and then the rest move over as of September. But the school, I guess, was finished, and they wanted, you know, it was a brand new school at the time, and they wanted to populate it. Mm. So, but no, it was never, never anything physical or no marches, no signs, nothing of that sort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you, what are you like as a kid? What do you mean? What do, what do well, I? Well, you know, we talked a little bit about like you know your family surroundings and the schools that you went to and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But what do you like? Like, what's your personality? What do you do for fun? What do oh, you do? okay. Well, first of all, I was a chubby little kid. Always <laughs> a chubby little kid. Not crazy about being a chubby little kid. Um, chubby all through high school. Um, my mom picked out most of my clothes, uh, picked out my hairstyle. So I wasn't really crazy about that. 
Um, I was, I guess, I don't know, maybe by today's times you'd call me a goody two-shoes because um, I can remember we went to the big thing in St. Helena and in uh, senior year you went to Washington, D.C. as the school trip. Now, smoking was like, you don't do that then. And in and out of different rooms, you know, we all had roommates in it. And the smoke would be billowing. And I didn't smoke mm. at that time. And the reason I didn't was because my father didn't want me to. Yeah. I didn't have permission to smoke. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to say I was a saint, but I think it was more like how tight I was with my dad. Mm -hmm. So that because I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't want to do something behind his back, you know. Um, but I don't know. You Were know. you generally like um, kind of withdrawn and had fun on your oh, own, or no, 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 gregarious no. Oh, and had no, friend because, groups? Oh or, no, yeah. we had a lot of friend groups. We had, as I said, growing up with my two cousins in the same house, it was like we had people right there to play with constantly. There were kids on the block you played with. Mm -hmm. um, so no, I was not at all introverted. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Unfortunately, I, I chat, chat, chat constantly, <laughs> you know. Um, I was an average student. I wasn't any brainchild. I did, however, wind up, I don't know, by the grace of God, with a regent's diploma from New York. I don't know how I passed the Spanish regents in high school, but I did. Um, and so I have a regent's diploma for whatever that, mm -hmm. you know. And for, for those folks who are used to, like, the, that there's regents exams in every class for everybody now, oh. what, what, what would a regents diploma mean back then? It was an extra special thing back then. You had to pass a separate, not just your final, but you had to pass a, a, a regents exam. And not everybody passed the regents exam. Okay. So I had, besides my diploma from St. Helena's, I had a separate... Regents diploma from the state of New York. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I had a separate diploma from the state of New York Board of Regents. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, so after high school then, what's, uh, what's the plan? Well, I, as I say, I, always wa I never wanted, never saw myself in college. Um, so I went out to work in the business world in secretarial skills. My first job was with Coates and Clark um, in a steno pool. And then, Explain for folks what a steno pool is. Well, a steno pool could be one of two. It was a group of young ladies, usually. Um, and you didn't have any one particular boss. You, you could be asked to take steno from anybody that was any of the men or women who were in need of a secretary. Let's face it. It was men who were in need of <laughs> Well, at that time, yes, it was, mostly. Um, and then it also, way back in the day, was the dictaphone that sometimes they did. And then they gave you the, it was a round, like. So they recorded something, gave it to gave you, it to and you transcribed and we it. And transcribed it. Is that when you had the thing with the pedal? No. No. Yes. Yeah. The thing with the pedal, and it was, and the transcription thing went around and around. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a tape. Mm hmm. It Years was a ago. Real, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I, it was like a wide thing that almost looked like a belt. Mm hmm. Yeah. Then they went to tapes, little mini tapes, which I've used here at my job presently. And now it's compute, totally computerized. Mm -hmm. The gentleman that I transcribe letters for here and now actually dictates into the computer, his computer microphone, and it comes directly to my computer. Mm. And then I transcribe it yeah. from, from there. 
you know. After Coates and Clark, I went to Continental Can, and I stayed at Continental Can in different jobs uh, until I was pregnant. Got married and was pregnant with my first son and left there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where you you met Dad. Was at Continental yes, Can. Yes, at Continental Can. Okay. Yes, he then left and went to work for Mobile. Mm-hmm. And but yes, I met him there at Continental Can. Okay. So what's yes. um so what's that like? What's the how did you meet Story and how did you start oh, dating? Oh well, and, it's you know? funny. Dad always. <laughs> Dad always wanted to know about your quote-unquote portfolio. And I didn't have a financial portfolio because I was helping my mother. And when we moved from my grandmother's house when she sold it, and we moved into an apartment, my mom was handy, bless her soul, and she'd want to do this and she'd want to do that. And she'd call me, can I do this? It's going to be more money. And and what am I going to say? Yeah, okay, do it. I'll be there for you. So I didn't really have a portfolio, but (laughs) I was attracted to him. Um, I thought he had beautiful eyes. He does. He has beautiful green eyes. So one day I baked some stuff and just kidded with him because we were close desk wise. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, can I put these in my portfolio? And then I had uh, some friends. And then he said, I got something to put in your portfolio. (laughs) I know, I know. But then I had a group of friends that were married and I had them over to my apartment with my mom where I shared with my mom. And I invited Bill, who's now my husband, to come and be part of the dinner that I was, you know, serving. I do remember that, and he's still that way today. I do remember that to make room in the living room because we didn't have a dining room in the apartment. We had a kitchen, Mm -hmm. two bedrooms and a living room. So to make room in the living room for this long table that we set up, um, I put some extra stuff in one of the bedrooms, and there was a TV in that bedroom. There was a basketball game on that and night. Of, oh, I know where this is going. And of course, he left the dinner, you know, a couple of minutes, and he had to catch up on the game that was going on. But he's always been a sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my. In fact, when we were dating and we were in the apartment, my grandmother lived in the apartment building then after she sold the house and she would come down for dinner Sunday dinner with us and I would always serve dad in the living room and my grandmother didn't know if she did something wrong you know in her little Italian way because why was he eating in there and we were eating in in the kitchen and we had explained to her no there was a football game on that Sunday so he needed to watch the football game uh, yes. Dad's priorities have yes. never changed. Yes. No, no, he's still. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, he's a Jet fan. Yeah, so this yeah. poor man is a masochist, I think, because he's a Mets, Jets, Knicks, and Rangers. Knicks and Rangers fan. Yeah. So there's been some good times, but not yeah. not a lot. So yeah. one thing that I've always wondered, or since mm-hmm. I always wondered, but always kind of like thought about, was you and you and Dad missed being like baby boomers by like a couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, um, my brother's a baby boy. Yeah, so like when the '60s came along and all the changes that were going on with all sorts of things, fashion and music and drugs and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. You didn't jump in, and and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just curious. Like, what did you think about that when you saw all that happening, and 
do you think you would have jumped in if you were younger, like maybe younger, like your your brother's age, or a little younger, or was it just you were just a goody two shoes? Jumped and into were... activision or activism? Whatever <laughs> you know, yeah, jumped into well, I don't know, Dad, the, the I Beatles and get... marijuana and whatever. No, I don't think I would. My brother experimented with marijuana. I know that. Um, I don't know. It never really. I never never crossed my mind to you know to get involved with it i wasn't uh unfortunately i'm probably like i was probably old then because we had 78 albums and i was listening to sinatra and vaughn monroe and more of that kind of stuff and then went into rock and roll yes but but dad was more if you talk to him about some of the the rock bands or the rock stars of the 60s. Dad knows them better than I do. Right, he was a little more into that. Yes, yeah. he was. He was younger in his mindset than than I was, even though he's two years older. And I just came to find out he demonstrated against the war. I well, only You're found fucking out. kidding me. No. When did that happen? I just happen? found that out a couple of days ago. I don't know how it came up, um, but apparently he and some of his college friends were in a demonstration against the war. He never told me that. And I didn't know about it until a couple of days ago. And the funny thing is, what he told me one of his college friends wound up either being in the FBI or something. Yeah. And he saw the guy at one of the demonstrations, but he didn't rat him out to the other demonstrators for fear that they would take, you know, a physical retaliation against him. He was kind of like, in plain clothes, he was, you know, infiltrating, if that's the word you want to use. I yeah. don't know if that's too strong a word. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but he was more, you, uh, some of the people that he listened to or listens to now, I would have no idea who they were. Wow. I would have no idea who they were. And you he know, went down I'm, the shore. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, mad at, I'm mad at that. Why? Because he demonstrated against no, the No, because he never told me about oh. it. All these years, I'm a history teacher. I'm going to anti-war marches during the Iraq War. Like all the, not a word about it. All I, I all I knew, all up. I knew is that like he threw a no hitter in high school baseball, and then um, later on uh, married you, and in yeah. between uh, was like was in the army reserve for a little bit. Like, well, he know. was yeah, he was stage yeah. yes, yes, he That's was all I know. in the reserves. Yeah. Yes, he didn't. Uh, uh, Uncle Rob was in the service, but he was uh, in in the reserves. He'd go up to, and the funny part is he can't, he was the communications guy. He set up all the radios and all of that kind of stuff. Well, he could set them up, but I'm sure he didn't talk and about now, it. And now, I mean, you ask him, you know, he he has not, as much as his taste in music evolved more than mine did, um, his computer skills or his interest in learning new Mm -hmm. things uh, about computers i've gone past him oh for sure yeah i've gone past him with that but that's what makes chocolate and vanilla that's what makes i guess so yeah yeah i mean i've always thought it was pretty pretty cool like you know that you you know you're on facebook and you have your ipad and you know you're kind of you know hip to some stuff you know a lot of people your age don't really embrace you know so that's admirable i think you know especially because you don't seem like the type of person that likes change very much or at least is apprehensive about the unknown yes i'm more yes i'm more cautious 
So where did this caution come from? Because like the way that I would describe you like in a nutshell to some people is like think about the absolute worst thing that could happen and then plan for that. And that's my mom. Like yes, so yes. so where did this caution come from? I don't know. You know. It's just in me. It's just like I'd rather be prepared for the worst and not need the worst than all of a sudden have it slam me in the face. Mm-hmm. Now maybe it came from the fact that it slammed me in the face when my dad passed mm. because never in a million years he died at 53 so never in a million years did I expect it Um, he was there in the morning and literally was not there at night he Mm. never came home from a a baptism of my godmother's grandson he died at her house he went outside to get some air and literally dropped dead not to be gross Mm -hmm. so maybe it's that I was all of a sudden things were thrust upon me Mm. So, and I had to, to be ready for it, mm-hmm. and I may not have been as ready as I would have liked to be. Mm-hmm. So, I'd rather n- prepare for the worst. I don't dwell on it. It's not as though I sit there and say, oh my God, is this going to happen? Is this going to But I think about it, mm-hmm. because yeah. I think I'd rather be prepared for the worst, and if it doesn't happen, great. I'm right there having you celebrate, but I'm more... Mm-hmm. Well, cautious. you said your your mother was a little kind of on the anxious side, right? Yes, my mom was. Yeah, but, contributed but to you it. also have to remember that she was brought up in a situation where she was the second oldest. My aunt Jack, Jackamina, was the one who went out to was allowed to go into the workplace. Uh, she worked as a garment worker uh, in Manhattan. My mom, however, stayed home to watch her siblings. So. You know, she was more, she didn't really prepare for more stuff. She wasn't out there in the world. Mm-hmm. And maybe I get a little bit of that, you know, from her. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom not having a work background. And then when we lost my dad, it kind of slapped us both in the face. Mm-hmm. So she was not prepared for it. And I had to all of a sudden step up and be the quote unquote breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And had to take part of his role. You have to remember, she was brought up in a situation where she didn't go to work. In those days, the woman stayed home. And it was not frowned upon that the woman stayed home. Uh, you know, she didn't go to work until my, my dad, until we had to go to Catholic high school. So she was home. She wasn't exposed to anything out there. And all of a sudden, this was thrust upon her to stand up and be on her own. And, mm. You know, so I think that is maybe what made me a little more hmm. cautious, mm-hmm. if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. You know. So what uh, what made you decide to start a family? Oh, uh, should, it, okay, let me let me let me put it to you this way: I don't like when people say that because me and my dogs are a family. Two people living together is a family. Mm-hmm. When did you decide to have kids? I don't think it was ever a question that we were going to have children. Um, we bought a house. We went from the apartment to the house. Once we were in the house a little while, we decided it was time to have children. And that was it. It wasn't, you know, should we or shouldn't we? It was just an understood thing that we were going to have children. Do you, do you think part of that is, is that especially back then, it was just like, it's what you do. Like there oh, were, yeah. were, like in other words, like I'm not saying that there wasn't some sort of like actual interest in doing it, mm-hmm. you know. But like it seems like now, 
people will opt out of that more often than they did back then? Yes, and I think part of the reason is not a selfish reason that they opt out of it. It isn't because they want to... Oh, for me, it's completely selfish. Well, no, I don't think... (laughs) I like my money and my time. (laughs) No, I don't think it's always that. I mean, some people would rather be able to travel Mm -hmm. or invest money or something like that. Selfish. But I think part of it, too, a lot of people think about the environment today, I think, more so than... You mean like years ago. you mean like a human's impact on the earth, yes, or you mean yes, like the, the environment that people footprint. are brought up? No, no, in. your footprint, yeah. what you're doing to Mother Earth, and mm-hmm. I think more people are aware of that than they were years and years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but as far as starting, you know, wanting children and starting a family, we both agreed that yeah. you know that was definitely something mm-hmm. we both wanted. So um, let's talk a little bit about my entry into the world. Because there's a couple interesting little tidbits about that. So what's the story of of me? What's the story of you? Well, both of my children were born a couple of weeks past their due date. And when you were born, um, we had an emergency. I had an emergency Mm C-section, which years ago was not as common. And, you know, some people actually opted for it, actresses, and so sometimes opted for a C-section. Um, and I can remember, uh, they finally brought me, and I waited and waited and waited, when they finally brought me into the delivery room, there was a TV in the in the labor room, and um, there was... Um, Hawaii Five-0? Yes, Hawaii Five-0, book them, Dano. <laughs> and then next thing I know, you know, I had a beautiful little boy. So what was the emergency? Um, the emergency was you were not getting enough oxygen. You were oh, I they post-mature, said... and you were not getting enough oxygen, so mm. they wanted to... Oh, I thought it was something with my heartbeat. I thought you said... Well, they kept losing the heartbeat oh. because of the lack of oxygen. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, because of the lack of oxygen, they kept losing the heartbeat, so mm. they didn't want to take any chances mm. of waiting any so my longer. So there was not enough oxygen going to my brain, which explains a lot. Right? No, it... <laughs> explains you brian i'm still trying to figure out what explains you i just love you for who you are so good better and different so what's 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 the hardest part about having about having kids i mean i've interviewed a lot of people not a lot but we've had like whatever like 13 or 14 episodes and like only a couple of so far have been parents you know um so for you and who's a parent of a different generation what what's been like the toughest part about having kids well, the toughest part, I think, about having kids for me is you just, I'm not as well educated, and so I don't always make the right decisions, and I just hope that you want your kids to turn out to be good people. If nothing else, you want you want the world to be kind to them, and sometimes it isn't always kind to them, and it's not their fault a lot of times. Um, you hope you're doing the right thing. As my oldest said to me, I was his uh, trial. <laughs> um, it was, I was his guinea pig. Mm-hmm. He was my guinea pig, uh, you know. Uh, so, But you just hope you're making the right choices as you go along. You, you want to do the right things for them. You want to believe them all the time. And sometimes when you believe them, it isn't the right thing to believe because you believe with your heart sometimes mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. your head mm-hmm. um but i think all in all the both of my kids turned out to be good decent 
people, good, decent men. Unfortunately, I don't have any grandkids except my grandbaby puppies, mm -hmm. um, who I do love. And that's um, not going to change anytime soon. No, I know. That's okay. But, you know, as long as they're happy and healthy, that's mm -hmm. the most... You know, that's, and that's one thing that I've, that I've appreciated about somebody who, like, you know, from your generation, um, basically, and I don't know if I just broke you down, <laughs> but... <laughs> You're just like, you know, as long as you're happy, I'm, I'm cool. Like, there was, there was, there's not a lot of judgment about, like, my choices and that sort of thing, which I no, appreciate. Why, why would I judge your choices when you can turn to... around and judge mine? Some, Some of my choices in raising the two of you were not the greatest like of what? choices. Oh, there's a lot of things that were not the greatest of choices. Okay. I should have been stronger. I should have been more independent. Um, I should have... Those two are the most yeah. important things now, to me. I should have made choices yeah. where I knew I could take care of myself and my kids. So let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. Um, so let me ask you a, a question then. What keeps you up at night? What because keeps we me up at night. Because we've talked a little bit about oh. like that you have trouble sleeping sometimes. Oh so. God! All the mistakes I made. What could what, should I have done this different? Should I have done that different? Um, how much of an impact did my choice make? And and how much of it is trickled down to the lives of my children. Mm -hmm. um, I, really, honestly, it doesn't keep me up at night about, not that I don't realize I'm 75 or I don't realize what my future is because I've seen the future of my mom and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. I've seen what and, they've gone and, through yeah. of recent times. Um, so I know what's ahead of me. It is what it is. You know, would I like not to suffer? Yes, mm -hmm. when my time comes. Would I like my most scariest thing for myself is Alzheimer's. Mm. Um, I've had two brushes, one with absolute cancer, one with pre-cancer situation, which my doctor, by some miracle, saw before it happened. Mm -hmm. um, but m what keeps me up at night is the impact that I had on, and not because you're sitting across from me, but... On the two lives mm. that I brought into this world, that you so know, what, keeps what, me up. So why? So why? Like I, I understand that we all think about like things that we maybe could have done better or whatever, but where where is that part of some people who are just like, well, I did the best I could, and I need to live in the present? Uh, that's what people. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't. Like I feel. I have this guilt. Mm. I can't let go of it. Where do you think that comes from? Um, it may come from being Italian and, <laughs> and being the way I was brought up in a different generation totally. It may just come from who I am inside me. You know, um, I may see whether it's my sons or somebody I'm affect I've affected directly struggling and it hurts me to see them struggle yeah. and I want to make it all better. That's that's a bad part of me. I want to make everything. So let's talk about better. that then. Where does where does this caregiver stuff come from? I mean, obviously every you know I should say every every because some people just have shitty mothers, but you know a lot of mothers obviously are you know nurturing and and you know want to take care and, and that sort of thing. You are like super caregiver, super people pleaser, super like wanting to make everything better. Um, where do you think that comes from? I don't know. It could be a sense of insecurity of my own. I don't know. It what do you mean just, by that? Well, maybe I'm not as competent in who I am and my education and I'm lesser. Like I married someone with a master's degree and I graduated high school. So I may have still brought up that 50s 
mentality along with me and I while I've grown and learned to use an iPad and different other mechanical things I have not grown in the fact that hey it's not the 50s anymore you know mm -hmm. you have a right to your own life and you don't have to take care of everybody for the rest of your life so you know that I know you it. just can't put I it into action it. I say it All right I'm told it I am seeking, I do go to a psychologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am told that. <laughs> By at least one very, son, you're told. <laughs> it's very hard for yeah. me to change because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's embedded in, sure. in me. Yeah. It's embedded in me. Yeah, I was. Um, I other, know it can be annoying to my sons. Yeah, it can but, be. No, yes. yeah. But, you know, but it, uh, yeah, I think around probably like my mid 30s, it took that long to realize like it's never going to stop. <laughs> and and not in like a like you know like you're a terrorist but you know the just the idea that like you're you're gonna try to be my mom as long as you're breathing <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and and that took me it took me a long time to get to like realize that and accept that and be comfortable with it you know and I, that like that acceptance has kind of allowed me to you know tolerate me to, yeah some of the annoying stuff yeah yes. absolutely yeah. yeah and yet as much as i want to be like accepted by my sons and not make them think I'm a quote-unquote nudge, mm -hmm. I can't help myself no. from wanting to make it all better. You've, you've, you've had your spots, though, where you kind of are starting to, you know, think about boundaries a little better and, and you know. Yes, because you know. I don't want to alienate. <laughs> That's the worst thing in the world to me would be to alienate. Yeah. That's, you know, it's not bound. It's like something I have to work on. Yeah. It's 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 actually something I have to but I tell work you, on. I think Take I've been the steps to purposely work on it. I think I've kind of inherited some of that from you, though. You know, that kind of like caregiver, over helpful to the annoying extent sort of thing. You know how? I well, mean, like I just you know uh, I can. It's hard to describe, but I can like tell when I'm doing something. I'm like, oh, this is mom. <laughs> you know, like, you know, when I'm like over explaining something or saying, oh, I'm sorry, I was just trying to be helpful. Uh, does my existence annoy you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Like, OK, so here's one. The other day I'm going to get um, dog food. Right. And mm -hmm. the dog food is next to Staples right? and it's early in the school year. So what do I do? I text the group text of the teachers and I say, I'm going to a dog food place next to a Staples. Does anybody need anything? Oh. That's you. That's like I'm in I'm in the same galaxy as something that you mentioned five years ago. Do you want me to pick up twelve of them? <laughs> like But that's but that's not me. You're being kind and considerate. I can be overbearing. There's a I think you yeah, yeah. I I don't think it's quite the same. I think you didn't shove it down their throat. You didn't ask them six times. You didn't. If they didn't answer you, you didn't constantly text them. You know? I didn't. I didn't say, "Hey, it's gonna rain. Yeah, uh, you might yeah, want to, you know." Yeah. Or like I did tonight when you came here. I asked if the boys were crated only because I heard it was gonna rain. I was afraid there'd be thunder. I didn't know what Jasper would do. Right. So and yes. So yeah. you're planning for the worst. Yes. Yeah. But I think I'm going. Like I'm in a store. Do you need this or that? I think that's just a considerate thing to do i don't think you if they didn't answer you you didn't come back and yell at them hey why didn't you tell me that i was right there in staples you needed a new pen and i could have gotten it for you you know whereas i i'm i do it too much mm. i do it too much yeah I, you do but it's okay <laughs>
It's it's acceptable. Maybe I need to be needed. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I have no idea. You know, I. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I, I think you don't have enough of your own life, and you need to be needed by other people. And like, I just want you to be free and liberated, and like happy and shit. Without, but without defining that through being in service of to others. Well, I don't think I'm in service to others. I think taking care of your family is, you know, and I think the way life worked out, I'm more needed. In right now, I happen to have been the breadwinner for the yeah. last 25 years. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think that's a different story than the feelings of, of trying to help my sons than mm-hmm. what that was thrust yeah. upon me. Whereas so you're, you're hustling. You got, because I want to. You got two jobs. I have two jobs. What are you, and do you mind talking about no, what they are? Well, my main job I've been at for 30 years. Um, I work for the local township. Um, I work in the engineering department. I help out. I do the letters for the zoning officer. Um, I work with the property maintenance uh, inspector for property maintenance issues. Um, all clerical, some non-clerical things that I do. And then at night, for the last 22 years, I've worked as a pharmacy tech at my local Pharmacy, Damn, it's been 22 is, years already. Yeah, no. yeah. And so when we sold the house three years ago and we came to this apartment, I would knew I'd be comfortable in this apartment for a number of reasons. Number one, you had lived here, and I knew how well kept it was when you were here. Well, let's be clear. I lived in the same complex. Complex, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. I, you lived, that's what I said. I knew the yeah. complex. No, yeah. you didn't live with me. I understand that. <laughs> You've been away for quite some time. How many girlfriends did we go through? No, anyway. Okay, all right. <laughs> so do you, ever, um, do you ever resent having to hustle this hard to keep everything afloat? I don't resent having to work. I resent the circumstances and the impact it had on my sons. Okay. That, you know, it is what it is. You can't yeah. change life. I'm not being a martyr or anything like that. Thank God I work in my main job with absolutely wonderful people. I work with three ladies who are of my son's age and maybe a few years older. Um, They accept me. It's not like they treat me like the old Mm -hmm. lady. We go out to dinner every so often, Mm -hmm. the four of us together. So um, it's a very nice atmosphere. The other job is more on your feet, and but you meet people. Am I angry that it wound up like this? I'm not angry. I wish it were different. I wish mm-hmm. it were different more for my, the impact it had on my children. Let me ask you a question. If, assuming you could financially afford it, which I know isn't exactly the case right now, but like mm-hmm. wave a magic wand, tomorrow you could retire from both gigs. Would you do it? No. I'd only retire from the night gig. And the reason being... Two reasons. One is very selfish in that I think that keeps my mind going. Mm-hmm. It keeps that's me not selfish. doing it's, stuff. Know, aware. Yeah. It keeps me, again, I serve the public in my main job. I, it's a great atmosphere. And the second thing is my husband is not a doer. He does not want to go to lunches. He doesn't want to go to brunch. He doesn't really want to go to dinners. So you got to keep so yourself I would occupied. Be, yeah. So I would be sitting here after, after I clean an apartment 
what am I doing? Yeah. Most of my friends uh, that are local have grandchildren that occupy their time. Mm -hmm. We do every once in a while go out to dinner with what I call the old farts from St. Bart's. They're, mm -hmm. you know, a group of moms that got really close from the grade school my sons went to. And I'd be maybe three or four months, we'll go out to eat. But other than that, you know, it's not as though we would travel yeah. or do something like that. So yeah. I'm better off. The only job I would leave would be the night job. Yeah. That's the yeah. most taxing. That's you it. would be, it would be really difficult for you to meditate. Probably. I don't, it would be really difficult Probably. for you to slow down your mind, I think. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, no, yeah, because I'd be constantly worried, is this person okay? Was that person okay? You yeah. know, are my kids okay? It's What's probably good you're not retired because I would get more texts. Yes, if you were... absolutely. <laughs> I would be in your life much more than I am right now. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so, Although I will say that both surgeries did, as much as they made you suffer, I got to see you more often yeah, in the surgeries. No, so, yeah, you came you know. through in the clutch. Yeah. Yes, yeah, um, so it's an unfortunate. Uh, people know, uh, who, people who listen know a little bit about my story as far as like struggling with a addiction in my past and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. What was it like from your end? What was the toughest thing about dealing with a, a, a kid, a son who was going through that? Because on, on the one hand, there's some suffering. On the other hand, there were some really shitty things I did. Well, how was it for me? Well... I was unaware uh, uh, that it was happening in a lot of the time, in the beginning. Um, I believed that it was, some of it was from the home atmosphere that, now I understand we had, my father's kid brother is an alcoholic, was an alcoholic. Um, he would be going, he actually was at an AA meeting the night my dad passed. Um, he died by falling down a flight of steps when he, in his own home when he was uh, drunk. My father and his kid sister would have to go sometimes to the bowels of the earth, the horrible areas of the Bronx, to get him and bring him home. I remember him sleeping on the floor in my bedroom. Um, so I know there's alcoholism in the family. I know my mother-in-law's uncle was an alcoholic. And I know some of that is, you can't help it, it's inherited, but I do think that some of the atmosphere at home is the reason both my kids have some of the scars that make them who they are today. Mm -hmm. um, I was both upset, frightened, angry, but I did understand, I think more so than, than maybe my husband did, that it is an illness just like cancer or leukemia or anything else like that alcoholism addiction in general is is an illness no matter what kind of addiction it is it's an illness and mm -hmm. nobody nobody sets out to say oh my my i'm going to think about it my uncle mike's grandson is a recovering alcoholic and one of his other grandsons committed suicide his youngest son died of an overdose in Pelham Bay Park. So I know it's in the family. And nobody sets out to say, I want to be an addict. I want to hurt yeah. myself. I yeah. want to ruin my life. I mean, nobody does that. So it's circumstances. It's, it's personality. It's 
inherited traits. And I also think that sometimes those two could have been fought off if there was more normalcy in the household mm. than there was mm-hmm. when my kids were growing up. Mm-hmm. But like as a mother dealing with me, though, you said sad, angry, that that sort of thing, right? So mm-hmm. like, I don't know. So describe that. Was it like uh, not knowing when I was going to come home? And, uh, like, oh, yeah, what were that. Some of the... And I can remember being um, one of the times that you were stopped driving. Um, you had the phone on and you were calling me and I was at work and night. And um, I heard the whole conversation of the police oh. stopping you <laughs> i forgot about that yeah yeah that was scary as you know what um especially since i was at work yeah you yeah. know um we visited a couple of courtrooms the yeah. three of us uh, you know i was upset i didn't know how to handle it as mm-hmm. much as i knew it was in my family i didn't know how to handle yeah. it yeah. I didn't know how to handle sometimes it. you don't know until it gets thrown at you so yeah any any advice for folks who are dealing with that in their family like things that maybe you you wish you did better or things that you that you that worked um don't deny it i think part of me denied it um mm. part of me wanted to believe what you would say to me um when i was washing clothes i remember one time i found papers from marijuana you told me they were somebody else's and i wanted to believe it when you were really bad um we went into a relative in New York and you spent some time talking to him and he said, no, no, he's, he's all right. He's good. He's good. And I wanted to believe that mm. and it wasn't the case. Yeah. So I think don't hide from it. Um, face it head on. Um, I don't know. I still blame myself to some degree. I guess of course you, you can't. Do. That's what you do. Yeah. Well, no, I guess you can't, but, but I do believe that the combination i think if there were some normalcy i didn't know where the, because of the family dynamics i didn't know who to help first and how i had one son who was struggling because he had a not a great relationship with his dad i had a husband who had lost a couple of jobs through no fault of his own and he felt defeated but that all played and i had you with your uh, isolation and isolation yeah. and 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 it all I didn't know who to go who to go to first mm. who to help first mm. and how to help them yeah, sure yeah and I think part of that is wasn't educated enough and I think today uh, more people are, are more women are educated and although you can never prepare yourself for something like this mm. I just wish more people would realize that it is an illness it mm. is a true illness just I've always believed that I just didn't know how to you you can put a band-aid on a cut you can help somebody when they're limping you can help them to comb their hair when their arm is broken but you can't there's no way to help their psyche there's no way to help their mind there's no way to help them stop destroying themselves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they have to you you just have to be patient be there for them and hope they find their way Mm-hmm. You know, hope they realize and seek help themselves, well, and, and, which is what you did. And at times, be more firm than is comfortable. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yes, I should have been more firm. I should have been held both people more accountable. Everybody more accountable. Mm. But you realized it. You do you remember when you said you realized it? 
I, the way I remember it was after after the the latest driving incident, you know, the third one that that morning, I was just like, that's it, I'm yeah, done. But you also you were you were out of the house. There was like like your brother got ups, you know annoyed with you, swore you were stealing. Oh that oh that part of it yeah yeah when I yeah 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 yeah. The rain hit you on the face because you were not living at home, and yeah. you said, "This is not what I want for myself." Yeah, uh, and it took a while even after that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, no, that was yeah. yeah. But yes, I wanted to like the incident with the gold chain in the movie theater. I'm calling the movie theater, thinking you really did lose your gold chain in the movie theater, but you probably actually sold it for drugs. I forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but no, you asked okay. the question. No, no, no. What do they say? Never ask a question that you don't know the answer to or don't no, want no. the answer to, you know. But yeah, I No, believe, like I said, I did some shitty things. I, I didn't say you didn't, and so did I. But what we're saying is I wanted to believe. I didn't want to face it. So I wanted to believe it. Yeah. So when you said they were somebody else's, or when you said you lost the chain in the movie theater, I wanted to believe it. Mm. When we went into New York to the relative and he sat down and talked with you because he was younger than your dad and maybe he had a little more insight because mm. he did some stuff himself. I wanted to believe when he said that everything was all right. There were no issues. So mm. yeah, don't be blind to it. Yeah. Be more open to it. You're not helping anybody. By not facing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So you just turned 75 a few months ago. <laughs> yep. What's on the agenda? Well, I'd like to slowly um, get rid of my night job, uh, keep my day job. And that, we're not travelers. Uh, you know, it's not like I want to. I would like to see Nashville someday. Okay. I, I love country music. I loved country music. Literally, like the song says, I was country before it was cool. Uh, you know, so I would, that's about the only place I'm, I'm not. Like, my cousin recently retired. She's been to Disney World a couple of times. She would like, she's been to Washington, D.C. If I went, I went. If I didn't, I didn't to something like that. Uh, D.C., we went with the school trip. Um, and she'd like to see the Grand Canyon. I have no desire to see mm. the Grand Canyon or the dam, you know, Hoover Dam or any, unfortunately, uh, you know, any of those types of, of things. Um, I just like to sit back and enjoy life a little mm -hmm. bit. That's all. So I what so what brings you, besides working and mothering, <laughs> what what uh, what brings you joy? What makes you happy? What are some, some things you, you like doing or experiencing? Hmm, that's tough. Um, what makes me happy is when I see my kids okay, and that's not because you're sitting across from me. That makes me the happiest. Um, I enjoy I enjoy going into New York to my cousin. Um, she has two grandkids, and they adore me. Uh, and I eat that up like a little puppy. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of them was just, just turned eight, and I was in a few days before his birthday, and he wanted us to have a cake so Aunt Joe could celebrate his birthday with him. Mm. So I was, like, thrilled. The other one, who's five, just started kindergarten, and his mom sent me a video, and he did a drawing in school, and he's standing there pointing to the people in the drawing. This is Rocco, who's his brother, this is me, meaning himself. 
This is Aunt Jo. <laughs> and this is, oh, it was like a superhero. Oh. I don't remember right now. And I was like thrilled that I made, you made the cut. I made the cut. I yeah. was like, his mother wasn't in it. His grandmother wasn't in it. But I, I was in it, mm. you know. So we always travel to, that's one thing. My kids could spend, if they were dating at the time, they could spend any holiday away from me. But I was a stickler for wanting them around me at Christmas. So now I go into New York. We always, my aunt was then the, the head of our fam, little family. And we still do it. We still go into New York. My niece, who's got the two boys, we go to her house for Christmas Eve. Um, one of my sons comes back the day. And it's like that I get a big kick out of all of us being together. Mm. I help. I go in ahead of time. We bake. We bake for everybody. And then we bake special cookies for Uncle Brian, <laughs> vegan cookies for yeah. Uncle Brian. Um, and I like my, my grandkid Rocco's. My Rocco the dog and my Jasper. Jasper scares me because he's not calm. Like Rocco is... He's like grandma, easygoing, going down the you know, down the steps. He just walks. Nobody bothers him. You know, Jasper is he's like that even when we had the house and we were watching. He's still got a lot of energy yard. for a dog his oh age. Oh my gosh, yeah. he does. And and you gotta watch. I'm looking up and down the block. Is there another dog around? You know, is he gonna be okay? That's what that's what makes me happy. The kids, my kids, laying back, relaxing. I'm a t I've always been a TV person, mm -hmm. so I listen to a little music, but I've always been a TV person, and now since you helped me get Netflix and, and, uh, and Amazon, I have more variety, mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah, that's it, just mm -hmm. doesn't take a lot to make me happy. So you've seen a lot of uh, changes in your lifespan from the America of the 50s to the America now. Mm -hmm. um, I should say the United States of the 1950s, the United States now. You've seen um, a lot happen in your personal life over the, you know, 75 years. You know. What are some lessons that you've learned? What are some maybe wow, positive... You ask hard questions. Or some positive changes <laughs> or, 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 you know, advice that you have. I personally have learned more tolerance of others, I think, than I had. As I said, we didn't, didn't, I didn't grow up in a racist atmosphere, but we, they did look at people differently. Whereas I don't, I'm all in, I really include everybody. It makes me very upset when so-called Christians um, don't, the whole word is Christ, Christian everybody's God's children. So when you start picking on gays or, or blacks or, or different races, it just upsets me. You can't call yourself a Christian and, and do that. And, and I am very upset, unfortunately, with where the country is right now in the amount of hate and distrust among ourselves. Um, I think if anybody's going to hurt us, we're going to hurt ourselves first by not being solid behind each other. And I, whenever I can, I'll go out of my way to help somebody. 
because if we don't help each other, who will? Like if somebody comes in and they have no insurance and there's a, a way to get them uh, like a discount card or something, I don't look at the color of their skin. I just say, it's within my power. Let me see, can this be done? You know, I'll try to do that. We're in this together. And if we don't take care of each other, we're not going to make it. Mm. It's not the outside people that are going to hurt it. In my opinion, and I'm not educated or worldly. Um, I think it's more we're going to hurt ourselves by distrusting one another and being it so far apart from one another. And the conniving, it's never been that way. Yes, there's been tricks. Everybody, every politician has their own little bag of tricks that they play. But I don't think the political atmosphere today, I think it's sick, mm. personally. And I think it's driving a wedge between people. That's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not educated, but I really think that we need to start taking care of ourselves and, and being one so that when something comes from the outside, we're united. We're going to stop it before it happens. Hmm. That's my opinion. Cool. I don't know how. You know, again, I'm not. Educated. Yeah, please. One more time. Say you're not educated and worldly. Please well, self-deprecate more. Well, yes, that's. Saying, yes, I, we all need know, to hear that more. My opinions are my opinions, yeah. and I don't necessarily. You, listen, you don't need a fucking piece of paper to have an opinion, all right? No, yeah. no. <laughs> you don't need a piece of paper to have an opinion. But I don't sit and listen to the news and watch the news mm -hmm. as much as the next yeah. guy might, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm not necessarily up on everything the way somebody else yeah. is. All right. Well, we're getting towards the end here. Anything left unsaid that you want to talk about? No. No, there isn't. Um, yeah, some pretty deep questions. Uh, I hope your audience is acceptance of me. I think your audience is younger people, and they, you may have lost a few <laughs> people no. on this particular broadcast. But I just want us to take care of each other. That's all. If wave a magic wand, I'd want us to take care of each other and stop doubting the other guy so much. Cool. I think that's a good place uh, to end. I can't thank you enough for this very special interview. I really do appreciate you stepping a little bit outside your comfort zone to do this. You're welcome. And it's not a little bit. <laughs> okay. Thanks. You're welcome. that was the interview with Jill, my mother. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I hope to bring her back at some point. As I said before, go to BrianTalksToHumans.net for more information, including when you click on contact, uh, a link that will take you to Patreon to donate to the cause. The outro music you're about to hear is from a former student of mine. Uh, he, he had an episode on the podcast. His name is Manny. Uh, you can find his stuff at Manifesto on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. There's a link on BrianTalksToHumans.net uh, uh, in the description of this episode. Okay, that's it for now. Stay human. Yeah.